Broadcasting live from sunny South Florida, this is KMA Talk Radio. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of fine cigars. Your KMA crew, the Italian scallion, Paul DeGracco, Alex Tavella, a.k.a. The Goat, and always telling it like it is, Honest Abe. I like to smoke them like the Winston Churchill, like Trump. Good morning to all our loyal listeners, libertarians, and lovers of belief. I am your host, Honest Abe, and as always, we are joining you from sunny South Florida with my trusty cohorts, the Italian Scallion. No, no, sorry, sitting in for the Italian Scallion is none other than one of KMA's dearest contributors, our man, William Cooper. Morning, morning. How's it going? Oh, uh, very good, very good, very good. Um, almost, thank almost, you. almost forgot we had a sit-in today. <laughs> he's uh, vacate. I guess he's coming back from vacationing or wherever he's been doing. Does anybody really care? No. <laughs> uh, and as always, the man behind the mechanisms, our man known as the goat, Alex Tabella. And there he is. Um, I just want to say Did you green screen up. I did put it up. Yeah. Oh, okay. This is a very special in memoriam green screen. Too. Yes. Actually, yes. I got a p- couple public service announcements. Can I get these out of the way real quick? Okay. Well, first of all, number one, I don't know why we still call Paul the producer, but that's another. I didn't, I didn't call him. I didn't introduce him as a producer. I know, but he's kind of Paul the producer. It's weird. Listen, I, don't, right. I only give him that title so he continues doing the very minimal tasks of getting true, the guests. True, true, true. He doesn't yeah, even true. book the guests. Just no, no, but he calls them. He gets them the link. Info and the link to get on the show. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I have two announcements. Number one, a moment of silence and a RIP, rest in peace to Jim Stakes, which literally burnt down in the middle of South Street yesterday. Really? Yes. So yep. uh, Jim Stakes is pretty much gone. They don't even know if the building is going to stay up, let alone the steak shop. Why? You don't think the steak shop will just reopen? They don't know if they can save that the building. Building. Yeah. yeah. They don't even know they'll, just move, they'll move to another location. Uh, I'm sure there was a good insurance. Yes, was an insurance maybe, fire, yeah. I mean, yeah. even if it was, it may be time. You know, Jim's been around, I don't know, 50, 60, 80, 100 yeah. years. But, um, also, I want to recognize our man Garrett Robinson from HBTC, and he was open about it, so I don't feel uncomfortable being open about it. Celebrated 27 years of sobriety yesterday, and I think that deserves recognition. Absolutely. Well done, Garrett. 20, yep, absolutely. 27 years. What, did he start drinking when he was six? Garrett's older than he looks, man. I was going to say. Garrett, I think Garrett's Garrett? like my age. Yeah, Garrett's older than he looks, man. Oh, yeah. Say, but man. well done, Garrett. Well done. Yeah, That's yeah. So, well, I, with that I, out of the way, I thought you were going to throw a little Paulie memoriam in there. Who? Mean, uh, Paul Servino. Hey, oh, Paul Servino, yeah. But you're kind of late, Tara. Even the, I mean, you didn't know Paul. Well, you were in Jordan. You didn't know Paulie Walnuts died until three weeks after he uh, came hey, back. Hey, I tell you what, though. How about the the billionaire, overnight billionaire in Des Plaines, Illinois? That's, oh, yeah. Listen, that's, yeah. Right where I, that's right where I grew up. Wow. Potentially could be somebody I know. 
I know. I was a little dis. Did you get tickets? I made I made Brandy go during. The I know you did. I didn't know if you got it in time. Yeah, I was I was hoping you won. I'm sure I could have squeezed a little something out of oh, you. Oh fuck! This the cash payout. The cash payout payout is seven hundred and forty-seven million. You could literally give every family member and dear friend a hundred thousand and wouldn't even feel it. And tell them to leave me the fuck alone. Here's, yep. here's a hundred. Don't ask me. These really? Things. And you wouldn't even Never ask me it. again. You wouldn't right. even give, you give a hundred people a hundred thousand dollars. Whoop. Right. There, there went one million. Whoop. Yep. Whoop. It's un, it's ridiculous amount of money. Unbelievable. I actually spent this morning thinking about what I would have done if I had won. I don't know, man. I mean, it can go either way. I can do well, or you might find me like face down in the Atlantic Ocean. In a couple <laughs> not, of days. Not, not with two boys, maybe in single days. Yeah, yeah. Not single days. Forget it. Forget it. I'd have been single yeah. days. We're reading about somewhere you. between Colombia yeah. and here in the ocean. No one would buy smoking if they won. Who the fuck would want that headache if you had seven hundred? Because they don't understand, eh? They don't understand. <laughs> no one would buy. They don't understand. I, I was in with my head. Like, would I give my staff a cash payout, or I would just like to take the top people and just give them the shop? And I'm like, why the fuck would they want the shop? I'd if you, if you gave me an option, I'm taking the cash pay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely taking yeah. take the, the cash. The shop? Why would I want to work? You know, right. I, I, well, listen, even I was giving money, I don't think I'm giving money to anybody that's going to retire the rest of their lives. Right. right. But, you know, I mean, it's something that you'll, you don't have to worry, hopefully. But I'm just saying, why would the fuck they want the shop? Fuck that. I said, I not We just we'd uh, give just it away it. and sell it and then dump it up. Yes, yeah, 747 yeah. million is crazy. Because you only, you only get the 1.2 billion payout if you take it in a 29 year annuity. Yeah, no way. There might not be. You may have been right. I take I take the money and run. Absolutely. Yep. Seriously, I mean, you could take seven hundred and fifty million, and you can make it one point three in fifteen years. With all due respect, at seven hundred and fifty million, I don't really need to make it one point two. You know, my 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 line is pretty good for a while. I believe, unless I'm totally talking to last night. Oh, my brother-in-law. He was like, um. Uh, whoever won it's gonna blow it and lose all the money. I said, look, that's typically true of most people. But seven hundred and fifty million—that's that, even hard to blow. That's even hard to blow through <laughs> stupidly. I mean, yeah. He's like, well, you go buy like you know a few billion dollar houses. I'm like, how many billion dollar houses do you think there are in the world? You right. can't even buy a billion dollar house. Right. Nope. Right. Yeah. It's a project, but congrats to whoever won, man. Your life will never absolutely. be the same. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, Hopefully you'll do some good with it. So um, while while we're while we were kind of touching on the cheesesteak thing, I, I want to get your opinion on something, Abe. So uh, we we had actually it's funny we actually had a kind of a debate, more a demoralizing of Terrence Riley going on when I got the news that Jim Steaks burnt down. But Terrence <laughs> Riley posted this picture of this cheesesteak thing. <laughs> Just a look on your face. It, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to see. Are those is, is, that, is that orange stuff onions? There's lettuce. There. So there's a. This is what he. This is, is lettuce topping in a cheesesteak. No, yeah. it's not. I said that that looks to me like pepper steak from a Chinese restaurant, and somebody yes. put it on a roll. That's yep. what it looked like. Yep. Um, Terrence, 
tried to hold his ground and, and claim that this was uh, a legitimate cheesesteak. From where? Virginia. 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 Winchester, Virginia. Who gets yeah. cheesesteaks in Virginia? Terrence. Terrence Riley. <laughs> Terrence, Terrence Riley. Now, Alex you know, and I was... It's funny, because I try to teach my daughter this when we're traveling or eating out, right? I'm like, look at where you're at. Is that really one of you, what you want to order off a menu? Right? You know, you don't order a steak at a normal restaurant. It's just a waste of an order. If you really right. want steak, go to a goddamn steakhouse. You know, I try to teach you that. Don't think about what you want to eat. Consider where the hell yeah. you are. Yeah, there, there, were, there were just a couple outliers on this cheesesteak. Number one, the first thing that popped out to me was that green shred of lettuce. Yes. <laughs> the toasted yeah. roll looks like a toasted roll. That's kind of a no-no, too. Oh, you um, can't toast a Philly cheesesteak? Well, if you have to toast it, that means you don't have the right bread to be Bread, with. yeah. That means you are I, I don't know. Home. I don't know because Steve Monterano toasts his cheesesteaks and it's the best. Because food. he has to because it's Florida bread. He's kind of – I mean, look, Steve yeah. makes a great cheesesteak. He makes he a great cheesesteak. Yeah, if does. you get a good He's a good bread, crisp on the outside, you don't need to toast it. You don't need to toast it. You don't need also, it. just it being served on a diner plate was kind of a red flag to me. <laughs> He's in Virginia. I mean, bro. I get it. If, if it's not wrapped in a greasy paper with it oozing out into the bag, then, you know, you're already on a bad footing. Yeah. Alex and I were talking about this before the show. Uh, look, a Philly cheesesteak isn't the most – aesthetic looking thing out there. I mean, it's not really pretty, but it is what it is. And that wasn't, that wasn't anything resembling a cheesesteak that I saw yesterday. Not a bit. Not a bit. And, you not know, a bit. Why Dave, have you, have you ever seen, have you ever seen Terrence's original cheesesteak post, which has brought on all his. No. Yeah. So, all right, let me let me so, let me so, find this. So is this then like a troll post? He's just continuing the trolling of the. I, I don't know. I guess he likes the abuse a little bit, but he hadn't noticed it was going to happen because he put this. And Alex had put the picture up. He put this picture up of a cheesesteak that was just a, a, a from a very good place, like not a bad place at all. But it looked yeah. like it looked like he just ordered steak and nothing on it. It was like a bad looking cheesesteak. It was a bad picture. And um. Yeah, and he just continues to. You know, I don't know why people do that. I mean, we, we were talking about this last night, actually. Yeah, you, there's a certain responsibility. If you're going to make a Facebook picture post and you're not goofing around, why would you post something terrible looking? You know? All right. I got it. I got it. Hey, like, wait till you let me get this up. What do you see? This is this is Terrence's original cheesesteak post from, I don't know how many years ago this was, but I mean, why would you even post this? It's a, little, it's a little grainy, but even I mean, look at that thing. Look at that thing. It looks like steakums. I mean, it's it, like dead. I, yeah, steakums, man. You, now you, <laughs> you just gave away your age with that, Coop. Steakums. Yeah. I mean, it literally looks like a steakum. Right now, I feel like Charlie Manato during my HB. How about that cigar interview? Every time Skip Martin said something. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. <laughs> I, I listen to me. It's really funny because I made a comment. I said someone needs to screenshot this. I'll see if I can put it up without showing it. Because every time Skip said something, Charlie made a face. And I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, somebody's got to screen this when Skip Martin speaks. Uh, I'm going to wait. Let's see if I can do this. Oh, come on. You got to do a green screen. Hang on. Let me. Let me. Is, somebody actually I just watched the show and uh, sent, me, sent me pictures here. So. <laughs> <laughs> Someone needs to turn this into a meme. 
Oof. And, and, and this, this was literally what he was doing when Skip would say something. Charlie would be like, <laughs> like, wow, Jesus Christ. I so I didn't see it, all right, but I heard it was a tamer show this year than you in know previous years. I you know, I really can't really recall them. I end up doing a lot of these shows, but there were just a lot of topics that weren't relevant for me as a retailer. I heard that too, like 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 Europe and Cuba and stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, I, I was struggling to really stay involved. I think I was just cracking more jokes and I was being more relevant. I was like the uh, humor, the, the, the comedic, uh, you know, stand-in. Then I really was more relevant for that episode. Um, and, it's, and it's very hard to, to to really kind of really be in any kind of interview where Skip Martin is on because you either got to refrain from being just outright argumentative with him or you just can't get a word in edgewise, so... Um, that was a rough show for me. It was really rough to kind of stay in it. I was trying to contribute as much as I can, but they were just talking about things that just didn't relate at my level. And I know those guys love that episode. It's their favorite episode of the year. Oh, Alan. Because Alan, Alan oh, take wow. a food pick, the whole purpose of taking a food pick is to show something that, look what I ate. It's appealing. No, right. it, What's the purpose of putting an unattractive, undesirable food pick? It's like that with any picture, you know. You, if you're putting it out there and it doesn't look good, you're gonna be open to criticism, right? Just because Alan posts food pics four times a day, I feel like he needs Ouch. to defend, Ouch. defend himself. Boy, and that guy before. eats out a lot. He eats out a, a lot. lot, and now he's gonna be on the road. Oof. <laughs> Dude, he's in Texas. That boy's gonna become barbecue king. Yeah, gear. I'm not. I don't want gear to think I'm not going to show. I love your guys' show. I love it. It's just for me as a retailer, it was. Um, it was I had a struggle to try to kind of even stay relevant and contribute during the show. But yeah, I wasn't. Don't think I was criticizing the show at all. I'm just sharing my personal experience because I was getting messages from people saying, "Hey, are you, are you all right?" Or it was hard for me to kind of relate to some of the things that were being talked about. What happened in post positive? Yeah, post a positive picture of food. Right. Right. Anyways, end of summer is uh, drawing, at least for the kids. What a short summer for kids. Kids go back to school like in a week. This is the worst two weeks of yeah, summer, though, see. as far the as getting having... ready, the getting ready for school. No, but it's a stupid thing. Everybody's camp ended, like camp ended, and now there's two weeks yeah. of limbo for these kids. You know, we, your son, my son have been literally, you know, what you do during summer break? Oh, I hung out in the cigar shop because yeah. everybody had to go to work. And there was two weeks between camp and going back to school. Yeah, they were playing chess the other day here. Yeah. Yesterday. We, we we didn't go back to school in New York till after Labor Day. Right. See you in September, right? That See you in the... September. Yeah. I mean, now, I mean, we I know. Always, when... We always got three solid months, June, July, August. And you came back after Labor Day, which was the beginning of September. We would end like right around Father's Day or a few days after Father's Towards Day. The end and of we'd go... June. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I know like parts of Georgia already back in school yeah, it's crazy so, it's crazy yeah i don't know when it, got, it around here it's like like it's like it's two weeks they all go back and then here's the thing when you watch the morning news they'll show those school buses like leaving the lot that's like the big news they'll, right, they'll show, right. yeah they show school buses like i i don't know what the purpose of it is showing the school buses leaving but oh that's, God. That's the, hey, listen i know i was that parent but all the oh my kids first day of school facebook posts it's like uh, 
Well, we, we've been careful about that because we did have an issue, my oldest daughter. Um, so we, we, we've always kept those pictures off for a reason. Um, you know, we're just careful on that. Yeah. We save those private if you're going to take those pictures. Yeah. <sighs> Anyways, there's nothing else exciting going on. We can't make fun of anybody this morning. I'm a little like. Paul? I mean, maybe making fun of him when he's not here to whine and defend himself. It's not the same. We'll be able to make I, fun of him later. I, I want to know why he scheduled his trip, like his flight back from New York on a Saturday his morning. Changed strategically. We don't Probably. Know Probably. We'll be able to make fun of Paul later, though, during tail of the tape. Oh, okay. We have his pick. Yes, we have his pick is in. Okay, see, so Alan, I'm going to try to help cross my point. I don't think. <laughs> Telling somebody you take terrible pictures is really like criticizing. It's more like informing friends, right? If I don't criticize my children and tell them when they're being stupid, what stops them from being stupid as an adult? So, yes, you know, informing your friends, like, you know, hey, you know, that's a terrible picture of you. Don't use it. That's an awful food pick. You know, that's what you're supposed to do. I'm just going to take it a step further. Uh, this right. is only for me personally. I do not represent the views of KMA Talk Radio. Or smoking sometimes. Um, or smoking. <laughs> but if I'm not criticizing and, and breaking your balls and I just say nothing, I probably don't like you. Yeah. I mean, you know. Closer to the truth. But I mean, yeah. and, and it's not like we're criticizing a stranger. We're criticizing one of our dear friends. That's right. cool. I'm not, That's I'm not criticizing. I, I, if I'm just pay, I, I probably don't like you. And, and so I say nothing. So you should take it as a compliment, Alan, that I... Sometimes if, torture. If you. anybody should understand that concept, it's Alan, the fake Alan Rubin. God knows I've busted his balls perpetually enough over the last right. eight years. Maybe even longer. Anyways, we have a first time guest. I love when we have first time guests. It's such an exciting show for me because I really don't know any of the answers. You know, so um it's time for that moment of the show. Let's uh, meet our maker. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick and your stick head out your and yell. It's, it's time to meet your maker. That was interesting. Was I the only That's one? Luciano, I think, has got some feedback. Okay, I was going to say, was I the only one that got some feedback on there? Uh, today, our meet your maker, we have Luciano Morellas. All right, of East Prime Cigars, welcome to KMA Radio, my friend. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here, Abe. Good to see my friends. Good to see uh, Coop. Uh, we haven't seen each other uh, for too long, so it's good to see you again. Absolutely, absolutely. We had a great started, time in Vegas. about this morning. Uh, it's I'm in Esteli right now. It's 8.23 here in Esteli. I woke up at 5 a.m. today, went to the pre-industria to uh, give some of my instructions there. They came back at 6.30, then got an emergency, have to leave real quick, and I made it on time. And if I knew you guys were going to talk about Terrence Reality's pictures, I'll probably take a little longer. <laughs> <laughs> so, Luciano, for, for our guests who may be unfamiliar with you and your brand, just give us a little background history on you and how you found your way into the cigar business. Wow. Um, how much time we have? Two hours. <laughs> I'll go. I'll go. I'll go with the. I'll go with the short version. Uh, 
So I've always lived a very, very crazy life. I went to college at a very young age, 16 to 17 years old. And I was studying abroad and, you know, spent two years in college, then went to university, graduated really early. Left university, this was Chicago, Illinois. Went to the University of Chicago left in 1996, 1997, uh, got wow, married. we were in Chicago at the same time. I left Chicago in 1998. How many years were you in Chicago? I was in Chicago, well, total, almost uh, 15 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we were, we were both in Chicago for 15 years. You left the year before me. I left for Florida in 1998. That's right. So, but most of that time, I, I actually went to Long Grove after I graduated. I moved to Long Grove, bought a property there. Family uh, was there, but I got married really early. I was only 21, and my wife was 19. We had our oh, first wow. kid. We had a first kid. Uh, uh, I was 24. Two years later, uh, my my first daughter, Deborah. Uh, and what is crazy is I jumped from. Uh, Jumped right into the financial world in 1996, 1997, and went to work for Mutual of New York. Then it was acquired by AXA, created my first investment fund, um, got an opportunity to move to Brazil, spent some time in Brazil, uh, then created some successful investment funds, the first green fund in Latin America. Uh, and the connection with cigars came because of most of my clients in my portfolio, uh, they're blue chip companies, like I have Nestle, Breedstone, uh, FIFA, it had different, uh, different clientele. And uh, one of my most important clients was the government of Dominican Republic. So I worked for, uh, for the industry, not, not exactly making cigars, but for almost four years. And in Dominican, uh, I met Ernesto Perez Carrillo, who, who became a, a mentor to me, a friend, who embraced me one of the most difficult times of my life. Um, making the story uh, a little shorter, there's a lot of details, but uh, there was a big trauma in my family. My daughter was only, I'm just jumping now to 2007, right? So my daughter was only 12 years old, uh, 14 years old, and she went through, uh, through a big trauma. And I realized I was making a lot of money and losing my family and just decided to shift and change my entire life. Uh, Parallel to the story, I've always dealt with a health condition, uh, which is, by the way, is pretty bad today. Uh, it's called synesthesia. My, my senses are a little mixed up. So vision, uh, my audition and uh, smell, uh, my olfact, it's all, uh, it's kind of confusing. You know, sometimes I get, uh, a lot of people calling me right now. Uh, sometimes I get a, uh, a lot of headaches, a lot of uh, uh, stomach uh, problems, uh, concentration issues, and I had to learn how to kind of cope with this situation. And the for me to cope with the situation was actually focusing in one of my senses. And I, I realized that I have, you know, some kind of... Uh, Again, from all this, 99% of bad stuff. And the 1% of good stuff, 
uh, is that you have the uh, memory for flavors. I have the perfect pitch. I can memorize even the sequence of people's voice. Uh, I, I, I can imitate them, but I can. I know exactly what key you're speaking or you're, you're singing, and um, which can be annoying. Like, a, uh, you know, if I learn a song in a certain key, my daughter is singing in a different key. So I basically have to leave the room, otherwise I'll go crazy. And I found ways to, to cope with. But why I'm telling this story is because it connects a lot with my uh, lifestyle change. So I really decided to, to change my lifestyle completely, uh, simplify, a bit close to my kids. And that's when uh, Ernie uh, Ernesto introduced me to Picardo back in 2008. He had recently sold his company, he was creating La Tabacalera Alianza. Um, you know, I would just come to Dominican just to hang out with him because he was such a good counselor, such a good, uh, good guy, you know. And he was the one who led me to, uh, definitely led me to the cigar business. Uh, then, you know, with Pichardo, we, we started this almost like, non not almost, a non-profit uh, operation here in Esteli. We had only uh, two tables, like everybody else. We, we, we started really small, uh, about four, five years later, that's when we started getting bigger contracts. We became known as good constructors of cigars here, making cigars. Uh, for several uh, large companies and corporations. Uh, then, you know, only 10 years later, uh, this was now 2018, it's when we launched our own brands. So we've been making cigars for other people for a long time. Uh, we were never uh, really planning in touch our own brands. This was something that, uh, you know, came from Pichardo, came from Tiago, my other partners. And, uh, and we are happy, you know, I mean, we've been growing a lot. We are, uh, we have this uh, strategic alliance uh, with Crown Heads. They do an amazing job distributing our products. Uh, some of our products have, uh, have grown tremendously. Uh, you know, we, I think we are a little over uh, 1,000 accounts or maybe more now after the trade show so you know we are, are, do, are doing what i love and this became a passion at a certain point we decided to make this a for-profit to really make this uh, uh sustainable you know we at the beginning was about making cigars and the profits going back into uh the villages in the zone here in Esteli. we help streets and, and the, the sewage the uh uh, the infrastructure basically in different points of the city. Um, and then, you know, we, we, we got a little stuck for a while, like what can we do, you know? And we decided to uh, just take the step up and and, uh, and and really turn this business a profitable business so we could hire more people, employ more people here. Uh, uh, people is, is what it really matters to us. So we are, we are very, very much focused on um, on creating better uh, lives for people and the consequences good cigars. And that noise you hear in the background is my dog, Tabacito. He's playing with his bone and he's trying to call my attention. That's so, a big bone. It is. It is. You have you have three so, partners in your company. It's yeah. Two other you the street partners in the company. One of them is Taigo Splitter. That's right. Who's an NBA champion with the San Antonio Spurs and assistant coach for the Brooklyn Nets? How did that relationship happen? Tiago and I are friends for a long time. Um, so Tiago is Brazilian. Uh, he's German Brazilian. Uh, so he was drafted to uh, to Spain uh, 
He was drafted to Spain when he was only 14 years old. Uh, we we encounter uh, in 2010, I think 2012. Uh, you know, just a good friend, man. You know, the, one of the things about my 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 uh, past life, my previous life, is that um, I had a I, I had and I have a lot of good relationships that I developed over the years, right? Uh, so when I when I was when I was working, was bringing, for example, Nestle to uh, to Brazil. That was acquired by a German company. There was a lot of uh, negotiations involved. It was a blue chip company, so I had the, the chance of meeting and dealing with chiefs of state. Or you know, it's like, I know a lot of people, and 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 I say this in a humble way. Like uh, I made some long life, last life, uh, long lasting life friendships, uh, for, from which you know I, I I'm, I'm grateful. And uh, and yeah, Tiago is a partner. He he owns a small percentage of our company. He's the one who incentivized me to uh, to relaunch the brands. Uh, I must say that sometimes I regret putting a, putting my name in a cigar. It's uh, I feel like there's a there's a lot of uh, a lot of things, a lot of weight in my shoulders when that happens. You know, you have to promote, you have to make events and. But again, tobacco is my passion, right? It became who I am, became my life, and uh, it was was a healing. So making the the story, just giving a, a closure to the story. The the bottom line is, tobacco means the guys growing tobacco because we came the opposite side. So that's something I forgot. We start first growing tobacco, then fermenting, then factory, then brand, which is exactly the opposite way of many companies. Uh, it made me complete, you know, like I, I was struggling with that disease and tobacco was one of my therapeutical uh, daily sessions where I would, uh, you know, just kind of start blending or start making fumos and that would actually help me through the rest of the day. And that became a practice that I do to this day, even when I'm traveling, I make sure we import leaves enough for me to do my traveling with my leaves, you know, so it's, uh, I think that kind of tells a little bit of the story how I got into the business. Of course, there's, there's much more. There's, there's several things that happen afterwards, but I, I'm grateful for uh, where we are, what we achieved. Grateful for for my life, for my family. Going to some tough times right now. My uh, most of you know my my mom died when I was young, so my grandmother raised me as as her kid. And I, I grew up with my uncle with only a few years different than, than me as a brother. Now she's in a hospital bed. We know we got some bad news last night, and we're just dealing with that right now. So, but uh, and it's a very busy season for us here. So it's been kind of kind of weird season for me. But I, I I celebrate life. I celebrate my friendships and what we are and we are doing this morning. I, I love these conversations. I love what we are. Luciano, uh, right before I guess I heard of Ace Prime, there was a cigar that you worked on for crown heads Juarez. And I remember when that cigar, when they, when they announced that cigar, they were talking about this factory Pichardo. A lot of us hadn't heard of that. Um, mm -hmm. And this cigar became a big hit. Um, how did that relationship come um, in terms of you getting a project with crown heads? And this is before you had the strategic alliance that you had made this cigar for them. Hey, listen, there's a lot of things that happens here in Esteli and I'm sure in Dominican as well. That I don't. I don't believe that all the all the retailers, all the cigar media, know. You know, like 
there's so many factors here that I've never heard you guys even talking about or mentioning anything about. That sometimes they are like in the, in the back scene of something else. Sometimes they are support to other factors. Um, but that relationship happened uh, maybe, uh, I would say probably about seven years ago. Uh, Miguel Chaudel, he was a very good friend of mine. We know each other for over 15 years. And uh, he would bring some samples of our stuff, I think, to John and to, uh, and to Mike and uh, eventually, they uh, they got interested in some of the things we're doing. Uh, we start sending samples. Uh, Mildia is a good example. Mildia is a sample that that, uh, that we that we actually had a meeting at the trade show. I think it was 2016 And at that trade show, uh, because we had many clients that we made cigars for, and we would go every year just to support them, right? So we were sitting, uh, we're sitting at Crown Heads booth and talking about, uh, you know, projects and stuff. And I, we gave them that cigar, and uh, Joey immediately fell in love with the cigar. It's something that I was very, very proud of. And then we just kind of tweaked, it, you know, things here and there. Um, only three years later, when we launched uh, Juarez, it's when we considered the possibility of do a collaboration where. Uh, you know, Tabacalera Pichardo and uh, and uh, Crownheads would come together to uh, to make the cigar, and we didn't expect that it would grow so much. Uh, hundreds of thousands of cigars sold just right off the bat, and I think right now, if I'm, if I'm not wrong, I want to say anything stupid like, but it looks like it's the top number one selling for Crownheads. Wow. Yeah, it's it's a monster. I know that. Was that in your Battle of the Bands? It's what? It, it wasn't in mine, but it was in one of the packs of Battle of the Bands. Kevin's. I think it was in Kevin Shahan's. It's a, it's a great value cigar. Okay. I remember it was in somebody's Battle of the Bands. Yeah. Cigar. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was a, it's a great cigar, but, and it's a great value point as well. Um, Lucian, you mentioned the disease you have, Synesthesia. Um, I and actually Googled it. Wow. What was that? I actually Googled it when he mentioned it. Wow. So there's a, there's a, uh, there's a, I guess this came up at the trade show because now you are producing cigars for Tim Osgener as well. Mm-hmm. And Tim Osgener's, um, you built a connection, I guess, with Tim Osgener over this. And it actually has led to a project that they're doing. Yeah, I mean, uh, when I first met Tim was in Nashville. Uh, I remember going to uh, to his office, and he had paints of of Ken Osner all over the place. And one of the one of the artworks was this kind of bricks of different uh, different colors that he called synesthesia. And apparently, some of the artwork that he did after that piece was also based on synesthesia. I don't think he had synesthesia. But right. he uh, he was obsessed with he wanted to he wanted to kind of create some sort of algorithm where uh, uh, he associated each one of the numbers of, of pi you know to uh, to a color and I think it was uh, I think it was, it was brilliant I think it was uh, it was a tremendous artist as well besides being this kind of vanguard uh, cigar maker that that set a, a, a trend in the market. That guy has a, he was a genius, you know, his father, and so is Tim. Tim is extremely smart too. 
Um, so when I went there, I, I told him, I said, listen, I, I, I have that. <laughs> and we, uh, and we talked for hours about it. And then when he came and visit the factory here, um, I told him, I said, you know, I do when I, when I make some blends and I see, uh, in a specific color, I just archive them. So I have my yellow, I have my red, I have my, my blue and, and I said, he said, show me your yellow. So I, I showed him the yellow. He liked uh, he liked it a lot, and that became the synesthesia. So he, he trademarked the name, and he's uh, he did in the in the honor of his father. And I, we are very honored that he he uh, he picked. You know, uh, I am very honored that he picked that blend, and he uh, gave his uh, signature on the size and Butola, and uh, it was a nice a nice uh, it was very nice working with him. He's a uh, he's a great guy. What a cool story. Yeah. Now, now I know Paul's going to cry because he's not here to talk to you about this, but <laughs> you, you, you're also a sommelier. Yeah. You know, uh, again, because of my, because of my condition, when I was living in Switzerland, I decided to go to wine school. So, and then I had time to, uh, how, old you, how old are you at this point? When I went to Switzerland, this was uh, right after London. So I went twice, but the first time when I did my first year of, uh, of Somerie, my L1, this was back in 2000 and no, this was in 1999 or 1998 actually. So that's when I did my first, cause I spent only eight months there. Then when I had my, uh, when I was working with FIFA, and this is like fast forward to 2012 is when actually uh, I uh, I did the L2 at the same school. So now, did, you this, did you do this for work reasons? Were you interested in becoming a sommelier or did you just do that for personal reasons? No, it was just because, uh, you know, Zurich is fucking boring, man. There's nothing to do there after five o'clock. So once once I was done with uh, with FIFA, I had uh, the only thing I had to do was read a book or, uh, you know, exercise, kind of walk around. Uh, I don't know if you guys know most, most of the bars and, and everything that closes after five and some of the, you know, nightlife starts at 10 o'clock at night. So in between like five and 10, there's basically nowhere for you to go, nothing for you to do, unless if you drive to uh germany or you drive to the uh to the south part and you go to the french side you go to geneva then they have like nice places that stay open until late but zurich is mainly a financial uh city and uh, there's this absolutely nothing after five o'clock so i was just bored and i decided to go to school wow <laughs> do you um when you go out and have dinner I, do you ever interact with a, the other sommelier? Do you tell them that you're a sommelier as well? Do you ever even waste time talking to a sommelier? So when I was younger, when I was younger, I used to do that. <laughs> then sometimes I noticed, it's, my wife would say, hey, what you just said kind of sounds snob. So you got to stop doing this. So now I hide the fact that I am a sommelier. I don't tell right. anybody. I go to the restaurant and I and I try to enjoy, you know, the 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 advice. And I'll tell you this: I think most of these guys that do the L1 sommelier, which they do for for restaurants and stuff, 
I think they're better than L2s and L3s sometimes because they not only know how to uh, how to recommend a wine because that's basically what you learn when you are L1, but they also uh, are dealing with this on a daily basis. So they're every day they're trying new things. They're they're experimenting new wines. That's why I actually really uh, think that uh, whoever like restaurants that have a good wine list, a good seller, and they uh, and they have sommeliers. I think usually the sommeliers are pretty good because they deal with people in a day-to-day -day basis. And not only they have the the database of what they learn, but also the feedback that they get. I don't have that. You know, I I just I went to school and and I I feel like I, I'm always cheating because uh, you know the superpowers or, or or being able to to be a super taster. Uh, gives me an advantage. So there's no merit. There's no like, oh man, this guy. I said, oh, you know, it is what it is. You know, I, there's a lot of bad stuff that comes with this, but uh, but I don't feel like I deserve any any compliment for uh, for what I do with my palate, you know? I, I don't know. At least. I'm not sure I get Garrett's comment. Am I saying it wrong? What? Or do you just like the way it sounds when I say sommelier? Yeah, sommelier. Yeah, you saw it sound like a. Um, it's almost like a, I know. It sounds like a, a, a mathematician, like a you you. Thanks. <laughs> he's not just breaking up for me, is he? No, he's breaking up a little bit. Okay. He's breaking up. Um, I'm good, good now. Yeah, it goes. Am I back? In a while it goes in. And out. You're good. You're good. So, am I not mistaken, but you actually had some of your own wine at the trade show this year? I did. I did. So, uh, I have a good friend of mine when I was uh, when I was uh, uh, working for uh, for FIFA. His name is Jerome Valk. He was the general secretary for FIFA during those years, and we became good friends. After he retired, he bought this winery, uh, an old winery in Spain, in Priorat. And he was very passionate about it. He knew I liked wine. So when I went to visit a few times, and the last time I was there, uh, not the last time, but two years ago when I was there, he, uh, he he showed me, you know, the amazing work he was doing. The wines were really, really special. Smoke, we were smoking a cigar together and, and looking at the vineyards, and we came up with this idea. I became a partner. Uh, also, we start, I started blending uh, cigars to... Uh, to some of the wines, just because I think it's a huge challenge to do it. So then that I consider a, a real challenge. I think a lot of people like to say they pair, you know, wine and cigars. I think it's almost impossible, but it's not impossible. So we we decided to go for the impossible. And and uh, and I think we got two, uh, two, two good results out of that uh, try and error process. Now, will this be a wine that'll be for sale, or is it just a personal use wine? No, no, it's a it's a wine that's already well distributed in Europe. Uh, oh, the 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 wine the wine that's called the Dreamer, which is the name of the cigar. It's another uh, you know wine that we made to uh, that we made a cigar. I mean, we made the wine to pair with the cigar. Uh, the Dreamer just got a ninety three points with wine enthusiast and ninety ninety two with the canter. And it's well distributed uh, in Europe by Movenpick, and we just brought into Florida now, Abe, if you're ever interested. It's uh, a Park Street from Florida is who distributes for us. They are the importers, and they distribute our wines. 
The M, which is our entry line, got 91 points by wine enthusiast as well. And it's also available here in the US now. We just uh, we just brought in, uh, I think the container arrived or it's about to arrive. Wow. You know, Lucio, you've approached um, pairing like like no other person I've, I've seen before. Um, you focus a lot on the pH levels and the acidity. Talk about that and how that kind of fits into what you're doing with the pairings of the cigars and the wine. Yeah, I think the best way to explain this is, is just talking about how we perceive right? which has with the with how we, we, we perceive our senses. So if you think about it, you're only able to see things because there's a reflection of light into an object and their reflection, it's what makes you see. And that is the colder to your brain, right? To the hypothalamus, the, the back part of your brain. And your audition are just vibrations of sounds. And those vibrations, uh, those frequencies, they, uh, your, your eardrum uh, understand those vibrations and convert into electrical signals to your brain. That's why you can hear. So how do you perceive flavors? Uh, how your brain decodes flavors? There's, we have thousands and, 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 and hundreds of thousands of receptors in our mouth, but they are basically divided in two types. One, one that's called the ionic ones, which is basically electrical reactions. Uh, it's when you put any element in your mouth that's too cold or too hot. It's what prevents you from burning internal organs. If you have like a hot tea and you put it in your mouth, how do you know it's too hot? You're not going to burn yourself. It's because of those taste buds called the ionic taste buds. Now, what makes you perceive uh, unami, salt, sweetness? Uh, it's actually an enzyme. So your brain immediately produces an enzyme that's present in your saliva. So you have to produce saliva to perceive flavor. You cannot, well, you have to have a certain amount of saliva to perceive flavor. If it's in our upper palate, the back of your throat, you don't have to salivate much. That Those areas are always somehow moistured, otherwise you couldn't breathe. But uh, the taste buds that are under your tongue and in the sides of your cheek, they only activate when you salivate. When you salivate, there is a protect. I know it sounds maybe too, too uh, maybe boy, I don't know. Do you guys let me know. So that the, the enzyme covers uh, the molecules of the food. So have you ever uh, tried to eat an apple and when you're going to eat the apple, bite the apple, you spill saliva immediately. It's in a fraction of a second. Your brain is capable of producing those enzymes. They're present in that saliva and that will cover the, the molecules of the food and will and your brain will decode if it's salty, it's sour, if it's tsunami, if it's sweet. So it's basically these two types, right? So if you can understand how that works, like you don't even have to be a scientist to know this. You just gotta understand this. There's basically these two types. You know, you're gonna perceive uh, what is hot, what's spicy, and then you're gonna perceive what's tsunami, salty, and, and sweet. So there's also three types of pairing, basically. And I think we discussed about this before. One, uh, you and I could. One, it's called the complementary pairing. Complementary pairing is when you have elements that make each other better. Abe, is that steak that you like that when you have with certain wine, that, that steak tastes better? 
And then you have the wine that actually when you have with that food and that cheese, the wine tastes better. It's called a complementary pairing. Then you have the antagonist pairing. It's when you mute some part of your mouth to brighten a different area as a contrast. So any any bourbon, any whiskey, anything that you your lips touch that has more than 4% alcohol, you are immediately numbing uh, your lips and numbing the tip of your tongue. And basically you're muting all these sensors. Now the upper palate, the back of your throat and the side of your cheeks are brighter. Does that make sense? It's an antagonism that you yeah, create. Yeah, I just never realized, you know, right. everything going on there. And then there is the ultra pairing, which is which which translates into synergy. It's when two elements wouldn't exist. One element wouldn't exist if it was for two elements. It's two molecules of hydrogen and one of uh, I'm sorry, the opposite. One molecule of hydrogen, two molecules of oxygen. It's what makes water. So without these two separate elements, there's no water. So there's, there's some elements in pairing, some flavors that are only possible because of the combination of two. So now, how does that work? You make, how can I make you salivate, open the taste buds, then you can perceive the flavor of the tobacco. By creating sometimes a reaction of, for example, the, the, the super amount of magnesium and iodine that we have in the soil of Esteli, with maybe some sodium chloride and sulfur that's present in the soil of Ometepe. So if I put this two together, inevitably you salivate. Therefore, you're going to perceive flavor better. So those are things that uh, many people just 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 achieve by by try and error, right? And it's no different with us. It is always try and error. But I always was fascinating with trying to understand the why. So why why when I put these two tobaccos together, I salivate. Why when I just put this one, I doesn't. Why would I put these three tobaccos? I can only perceive a certain range of frequencies and flavors. And when I put this other tobacco, it opens up everything. Then we start discovering that binders are extremely important in how you construct a cigar. You understand that wrappers, sometimes they have to be more like muters than givers. Uh, there's many things that you learn in that process when you, uh, when you, uh, when you dig these things. And I, I have this problem, man. I, I, for me, knowledge is very important. I, you know, my grandpa used to say, don't ever go to bed until you learn something a day, you know, one lesson a day, something that you don't know. And uh, and I'm fascinated with that, for sure. That was probably some of the most intriguing conversation. Our, our fans are really loving this uh, insight you got going on here. Though Brian Lewis in your state, yeah. everything is awesome conversation at this point. Let's be real. Um, <laughs> Interesting stuff with Luciano from Ace Prime. Where, where did the name Ace Prime come from? I thought it would come from. Okay, you, you one thing you learn about me, but I don't bullshit. I think we, you and I are the same, uh, made the same plot. So I'll tell you how I will tell how it came from, and I'll tell you what we what's the story that we tell. It came from the <laughs> fact that we, we we associate we we have a we had a cigar lounge out of Waukegan, Illinois, called a Cuban Experience. And ACE, ACE was the acronym of a Cuban experience. So uh, when we went to the trade show in 2018, we basically went with these guys because uh, we thought that we could maybe create some sort of a, a long-term relationship and help. And we just kind of liked the name. And we thought about, uh, you know, having that cigar lounge as sort of a, uh, a, a showcase uh, of what we wanted to do uh, and, and also curate cigars in there. And that, that's why ACE, that's where ACE comes from, comes from. 
But when we realized that that was not going to work, we created Ace Prime. So Ace, of course, is the, not just the, fir the first card of, of a deck, but uh, but it means it means actually the 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 best, the better, the the top, you know. And Prime referring to uh, to to the primes, you know, to the primes of a leaf, uh, which also means first, you know, it comes from Latin word. Uh, it's like the prime is actually what you chose of the better out of something, you know. Uh, that word was very much used in Latin in the Bible when people would make offers. You know, the Jewish people would come to make offers uh, to to the to God, and he would bring the prime or the the best of their crops to just to uh, to offer. Uh, and Ace Prime would just make the combination. Mark Reddy, uh, it's our marketing VP, uh, and he uh, he just you know. Uh, created the, the the whole name and and i think uh people liked it i liked it well, there you have it um yeah. we're gonna have more with uh luciano morales in hour two of kma talk radio uh, our friend uh, william cooper sitting in for paul de Graco this week um we're gonna have name that jam are you uh are you into american music luciano i love american music i i Sometimes I don't know the names of the songs, but I, if you just sing a little bit, I, I memorize almost everything when wow. it comes to music. <laughs> All right, good. We have a segment sponsored by Alba Cigars called Name That Jam. We're going to test your musical acumen. Um, and we got, of course, the news every week with our good buddy, The Scoop with Coop. Taylor Tape season. Does it start today without Paul? Season five starts today without Paul. We have good. Season season five. Tape starts today. The greatest movie villains of all time. Stick around because I have a feeling I'm going to take a big beating this week. Um, so, with my number ten pick, but I'm going to stand by it. And uh, more after this. So don't go anywhere. Keep it lit. Surgeon General warning: Cigar smoking can cause cancers of the mouth and throat, even if you do not inhale. Celebrating 85 years of success, the Monte Cristo 1935 anniversary Nicaragua is a tribute to the outstanding accomplishments the brand has achieved since their inception. Receiving multiple awards such as the number two cigar of the year in 2021 for Cigar Aficionado, 2021's Best Cigar for Cigar Snob Magazine, and three more prestigious awards, the Monte Cristo 1935 Anniversary Nicaragua comes from the creative minds of Rafael Nadal, AJ Fernandez, and the Grupe de Maestros. This full-body Nicaraguan Puro pays homage to the original tobaccos that were used in the very first Monte Cristo cigar that was ever produced. Flavor notes you'll detect while smoking this gem are pepper, cedar, and chocolate, which pairs perfectly with a cappuccino. No matter what four sizes you pick, this classic smoke will send you on a trip down memory lane and all the way back to 1935. <laughs> Phenomenal. 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 Good evening, everybody. Honest Abe here from Smoking Headquarters in Boynton Beach, Florida. Kudos to you, Steve, for making one hell of a stick. Well, they actually don't know that the stick's any good at it yet. The H Oven, Nicaragua by A.J. Fernandez. The original versus the heritage. What's the difference between the two? 
The HL in Nicaragua, AJ Fernandez heritage. The story of AJ Fernandez coming from Cuba, raised by his grandmother out there, has a lot of love for the country, but also he loves tobacco and he loves his new area where he bought his farm called Finca La Lilia, named after his grandmother, Farm of Lily. So he's got the love of tobacco, he's got the love of Cuba, and he's got the love of, of Nicaragua. Let's put them all together. So that tells the story of this triple fermented Brazilian Matafina wrapper and AJ estate grown Nicaraguan binders and fillers, creating a beautiful array of some sweetness, soft leather, a little bit of spice with nice aroma notes of black pepper and earth tones. We hope you go out and enjoy this one that it really tells the story of AJ, his love of Cuba, Nicaragua, and H. Oven. So please go out and try one. I think you'll thoroughly enjoy it. H. Oven, Nicaragua, AJ Fernandez, Heritage. That music got me going there. Honest Abe here, back with hour two of KMA Talk Radio, episode number 468, with our very great guest, Luciano Morales of Ace Prime Cigars. Yes, sir. Garrett, Garrett Robinson, that was me. The, the hard cuts killed me. They're, 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 they just cut so hard, I didn't have time to transition to the next one. We got to fix those videos. So are you telling me that Paul has a little more skill with you in that? He, he, well, I don't know. He's just used to how long and where the stop and start is. Oh, you know, yeah, I know where it stops. Is that where it is? Yeah, yeah. They just cut so hard that you got to be ready to fire the next one in. I think some good in. ideas for next yeah, week. Yeah. I'll just solve that, get it out of the way. Anyways, we're back with hour two. It's time for one of my favorite segments of the week, sponsored by dear friends over at Avo Cigars. We're going to test um, Luciano's musical acumen right now, and we're going to see if he could name that jam. Luciano, this is a really simple thing. We're going to play you about three-second snippet of a very popular song, and we're going to see if you can actually name that jab. So are you ready? Let's try. Here she comes. Oh, boy. That's a uh, that I don't know the name of the song. I know what the song is. I think I know what the song is, but I just don't know the name of the song. But uh, we can play it again if you like. Yeah, do it. Man, it does sound like Metallica, but I I don't know the name of the song. Well, Alex, let's show Luciano what that jam was. A lot of Listen, it's all, it's all, man, I, I grew up listening to this thing, see? A lot of welcome to the jungles there. They they got the band. they got the band right, yeah. Couldn't see the name of that John. 
they named that jam. Thank you to our fine folks at Avo Cigars. Continue to check out Avo Cigars for the many wonderful musical jams that they make with their blends. And there you have it with Avo Cigars. All right. Time to pick your brain on hour number two. Now, you had a couple um, new releases. One that you handed me the opening night at the gala, which was actually one of my favorite cigars of, of the show that I tried that I can remember. I mean, after about day two, your palate's just finished. Yeah, hard. It's done, but why don't you tell us some of, some of, some of your new projects that are going to be coming out? So on the Ace Prime side, it's it's basically two cigars that we launched at the trade show. One was the, the trade show exclusive that we announced that uh, we intend to actually expand sizes. So that size will be the exclusive for the trade show, but this will become a, a regular line in 2023, which is the Maria Lucia. Maria Lucia is the name of my mother. Uh, I don't know if the story is long, but we uh, uh, I decided to make a cigar that actually will, will uh, reflect her personality, would uh, would actually tell the story of her personality. And uh, and we can dig that if you guys want. But she uh, she was this amazing woman. She she died when I was only 12 years old. Wow. So all the all the memories I have of her, it's it's connected with my uh, my synesthesia It's the texture of her voice, her skin. Uh, it's how she responded to uh to people and, and of course the stories interviews i did on uh, about her as well but she was the kind of woman that would uh basically get anything she wanted she was very good at with dealing with uh different people's uh different people from different parts of society like she would uh she have like intelligent conversations uh with the maid and with the mayor you know what i'm saying like she she had this kind of ability to talk to to everybody and uh, and just kind of hear her stories and I and I thought about creating something uh, which is definitely one of the most uh, difficult projects that I ever got involved in because it brought so many different memories, so many different things uh, uh, that happened in my life and so I I did with the with the intention to definitely uh, make something special. So that that was the Maria Lucia, the one I gave to you, Abe. Yeah, uh, I really liked it. Yeah. yeah. It's a, the Connecticut Broadleaf wrapper. We have a uh, Brazilian uh, binder, and it's a double binder. I use using Peruvian tobacco and Dominican from La Canela and Nicaraguan, other Nicaraguan fillers. So I I like to say that this making a broadleaf it's 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 paradoxically the easiest cigar to make and the hardest cigar to make. So it's the easiest cigar to make because you can put whatever tobaccos you want over with broad leaf and and the broad leaf is so prominent and that's why there's there are many cigars uh, that have the broad leaf taste profile where people are just looking for that specific taste profile but they're all kind of very similar to each other uh i didn't want to do that so we we went to like hardcore on very acidic tobaccos like the peruvian uh or the or the dominican from la canela the the piloto cubano so we use very acidic uh, cigars because the acidic tobaccos because the the um, the Connecticut broad leaf is very uh, it's it works very much as a muter of uh, of acidity. So uh, then you know we made a very uh, bold cigar that is delivered that strength without uh, overwhelming you, without uh, any harshness, any bitterness any uh even like spices are very very subtle uh but there's a lot of strength there's a lot of character and and i think uh 
I think we achieved something special there. And the second cigar that we launched at the trade show was the M or the Maz Ignils. Uh, and for the time, uh, it's like we had by really testing, we tested the blend uh, with the chemistry kit to find uh, a certain level of pH that we wanted, which was more like a neutral pH, just to kind of create a baseline for the pairing with the wine. So it, it, it really worked. Again, it was uh, it was one of those those cases where you you try different things and you uh, you uh, you create. I remember we made about twelve teas of the of the blends. So it was twelve blends to get the right right pH. And once you find the pH, now you have to just work with the levels and the proportions and make sure they don't alter much of that pH. So we did with uh, a pre-light the cigar. We make the the cold tea of that using an alkaline water of the cigar. And then we use the, after combustion, we use the ashes to test the pH as well. Uh, and it, it worked, you know. Uh, you can ask Coop, Coop smoked that uh, quite a bit, I guess. Good yeah. Tonight. Oh yeah. Uh, that was my favorite cigar of the trade show, by the way. Um, yeah. It really, I mean, both these cigars, I'm just saying, we're doing our top five lists from our team this week, and, and I'm telling you, all four members had Ace Prime cigars on there, one of these two. But, yeah, I mean, and it was just, I mean, it was such a natural with that wine. I couldn't believe it. And I, and I was, you know, I was over at the house with you that night, and it was hot out there, too, you know, and I didn't think this was going to work for me at all. But but I'm telling you, it, it was exactly what you said. It, yeah. And what's the other cigar? The so it's the Maria Lucia that I told you before, and then yeah. this one where we test the pH. It's oh, called okay. the the M the, or the Mazignos. Yeah. What does that stand for? That's what I meant to ask. Well, the Mazignos is the name of our our, our winery and our vineyards in Prioral, Spain. Uh, but but the meaning is uh, House of Ignition. It's a Catalonian uh, expression. So Mas. In Spanish, of course, it's more, but in Catalan, he means a small castle, a small house. So it's an ignios is actually the Latin orange of the word ignition in English. So it's house of ignition. That's the when, when will these start shipping to retailers? Uh, I think they are. Uh, there is already a big chunk of all the cigars already in the warehouse in Nashville. And I know, I believe the rest of them are arriving uh, this week. We just uh, we just shipped, so I would assume that it's going to start shipping about 15 days. That's my guess. But uh, oh, wow. again, it depends on it depends on how uh, how the the, the logistics uh, operates there in Nashville. So we, that's something I don't control. Do you ever find that frustrating when you don't control the logistics of that aspect of your of your business? Because I imagine, I mean, there's a lot of people in your position who don't handle the distribution of their own product. People don't even realize it, but Fuente doesn't have, doesn't distribute yeah. their own product. I mean, do you ever find yourself caught up in, in frustrating and not having that control of that aspect of your business? I mean, I think uh, all I can say about this is that I think Ron Hazard are doing a great job uh, and uh, we don't have, I have nothing to complain about that. Uh, of course, sometimes we, I think it's better, you know, when you, when you control uh, everything. But usually when we ship a product to the warehouse, usually it's immediately 
uh, you know, it sits maybe for a week or two just to accommodate, uh, you know, the cigar after the trip, but usually it ships right away to the to the retailers and uh, and they're pretty good at it. This was your third trade show. Um, so this year, obviously, much better than comparative last year. Um, and then you have the year before it was canceled, I guess. Was that your first one? No, our first one was 2018. I think this is our fourth one, if I'm not wrong. Oh, okay. But we, we, well, we've been to many trade shows before. I've been attending trade shows for almost uh, 12 years, but always going, you know, invited by some of some of our clients you know sometimes we'll go by uh, with one company next year we go with another company but this is your third or fourth time as ace prime that's correct right um interesting dynamic uh because we, we had one can't sell about a couple weeks ago you you were you for the last two trade shows that i can remember are in the crown head booth and uh we had one can't sell on a couple weeks ago kind of had that same relationship with espinosa cigars and this was his first year he kind of broke out and had his own booth and talked about how he felt it was much better for his brand um is that something you feel like you may eventually do are you comfortable in the in the, in the presence of uh, the crown your distributors booth i don't know abe that's uh that's a question that i really don't know the answer right now it never never crossed your mind yeah. But you've done it. You actually had your own booth the first year. For yeah, I had. I we oh. had our own booth. We had our own booth in 2019. Yeah. I don't know if uh, it was it was the first time that actually we had a, a decent sized booth. We had a basketball court behind, uh, and there was a it was a beautiful booth. We had displays for every single uh, cigar uh, in LED. So it was it was a nice uh, it was a nice presentation. Uh, for us, it was very important because it was the official launch of, of many of our brands, and, uh, and and that year was the year. It was a very interesting year because we were the only new company at the entire trade show. Because nobody oh, had the wow. courage to launch, nobody That's had true. the courage to launch a, a new company when the FDA was threatening to uh, shut down everybody. So we, we we were the only company that actually did that, despite all the all the risks. And you went in with a lot of SKUs into that trade show. It wasn't just like you went in with one one line of four SKUs. There, there, were, there were a lot of brands that you launched that particular year. Yeah, um, yeah. Which, and, was, and which was we hadn't seen that even in a while. Um, prior to 2016, we hadn't seen anything like that. Yeah, we had actually uh, all, all of their lines, with the exception of the Traveler, that was a limited. Everything else is still still in the market today and, and, and doing well. So it's steadily growing. So we, we, we really have uh, maybe what what's what's a little different than uh, than, than Crownhead's vision. I, again, I don't want to speak out of my my realm here, but it seems like Crownhead's invest a lot into the um, the limited stuff and expands a lot uh, of the main core into into limited, which I think it's a great idea. Uh, but we we always focus on the on really on the on the core line so we've been launching core lines every year since um and uh and even what was a pca special on 2000 uh, this year will, will become a core line next year the um when you started though i mean the first year you actually i, I remember the story because you know barrett actually covered your booth that year um, mm -hmm. You had Dominique Wilkins at, at the trade show. Tiago was there. 
Um, so you've worked with athletes like Tiago, Dominique Wilkins, and Adrian Gonzalez, um, a lot of the mm-hmm. sports celebrities. What have you learned learned from that? Because sometimes that has been a mixed um, – that's been a mixed thing. It's, it's worked for some people better than others. But um, you've seen like you've, you've well-rounded the portfolio. We'll talk a little about that. I think it's, uh, there's a caveat there. I think uh, it's it's well known in the entire industry that apparently celebrity cigars don't don't sell, and and they tend to kind of fade away. And I think that's a reality of what we've seen before, especially that there were some very big names, you know, big celebrities that launched their cigars, but for some reason, uh, people don't tend to gravitate. They they usually. Uh, like to see these celebrities in events and they go and ask for autographs. They buy one box and then uh, there's no continuation. Uh, so you don't see the celebrities coming and promoting the cigars because that's not their business. They don't put their faces all the time. I think that's, I believe that's the main issue. You see now what Espinosa is doing uh, with Guy Fieri. And I think there it seems to be a little different because Guy Fieri is it's being very, very present in all this uh, all these events, and he's coming, putting his face and, and uh, taking pictures. Uh, it seems like they're constantly uh, promoting it. I think what makes a difference there is he's not even doing it as a job. Guy Fieri really likes this culture, likes yeah. the cigar. Yeah. So for him, it's not even like it's something he really wants, where he wants to be and work, and it's, he, he wants to do that kind of stuff. I think that that's resonating yeah. with the consumer base, and hopefully that passion and fire will stay there. Yeah, and I and I think, uh, but here's the caveat I was telling you about. I think um, there are many cigars. There are many cigars, and I I would say on the MXS line specifically, our, our signature cigars. We never intended those cigars to be celebrity cigars. I think the the, the fact that we had Dominic Wilkins, Tiago, and Adrian Gonzalez helped us leverage some exposure uh, in some places. And, and that kind of was, uh, was quite interesting to see how people would, would maybe use those cigars as an entry line and then they'll, they'll get to know our entire portfolio afterwards. Uh, but also I think that uh, we're just being marketing wrong. When I say we, I include myself. I think, for example, that the, the MXS Dominic Wilkins was one of our best blends of 2019. It's not the best one. I think that... Uh, the MXS Adrian, uh, Adrian Gonzalez is one of the most underrated cigars uh, that we produce in our factory. For me, it was the, the best uh, the best blend I, I ever made on, on 2021. Wow. So, but again, uh, the cigars are great. Uh, uh, the, the branding of MXS, I think, at some point, it's nice. The packaging is beautiful. But, uh, but I think we have to find a way where uh, those signatures are not detrimental to, uh, to, to the sales. In, in our case, I don't think it is, but it's, it's funny, even like with the salespeople, when they go and they talk about the cigar, the first thing they say is, oh, by the way, this is Adrian Gonzalez cigars. You know who Henry Gonzalez was? Oh, he was this amazing baseball player, Hall of Fame, blah, blah, blah. And they don't talk about the cigars, you know? Right. And, and I think what needs to be changed is how you approach this. This is actually this amazing cigar. This is the characteristics. This amazing packaging, amazing brand. And by the way, there is, it's so good that one of uh, Luciano's friends, you know, put his signature on. Like it's, I think it's a different approach. And uh, and I think since we start doing that, we, we saw a little more increase in sales 
on these lines because it's a pity. You know, you got got amazing blends out there. Uh, the MXS is always a yearly project. Uh, we decided to give another year for the Adrian Gonzalez, but the 2018 was Tiago, 2019 was Dominic Wilkins. Uh, I mean, 2019 Tiago, 2020 Dominic Wilkins, 2021 and 22 Adrian Gonzalez. Do, do you think too that like, well, what I've heard a lot about the uh, athletes at events is particular athletes are, you know, their autographs are being sold, resold and everything. And this has happened at a lot of book events that they've been involved with that they get very gun shy about doing some of these events because they worry that's going to happen. And I think the nature of a cigar event is just different than a book signing event in that it's more social, more interactive. Did mm -hmm. you find any of that was happening as, as some of these guys were doing the events? No, not really. I mean, every single event I did with Dominique was always amazing. You know, Dominique was, was hard when Dominique was doing our event because he was very, very busy. He was yeah. the vice president of the Atlanta Hawks. He was doing CNN. Uh, yeah. I he was doing Fox Sports. He was doing, uh, the, the guy was everywhere. So it's hard to find space in his agenda. But that guy is a legit cigar smoker. Yeah, you know, I met him at Corona once, all, yes. All, all three is. of them. That, that guy used to smoke cigars when he was playing, you know, just like Michael Jordan, because they couldn't talk about it at that time. But right. he's, a, he's a real cigar smoker. And I would say the different than the other two that I that we kind of developed the, the, the blends ourselves, ourselves Dominic was kind of pain in the ass, but we send like five different things and he would start with like, oh, can you change the wrapper? Change to what? He didn't even know what to say, but he said, I don't like this wrapper. So we got to, can you, can you kind of create something a little more bold here or a little less of this? So uh, Dominic has a very active participation in the blending as well. And it helped. I think, uh, you know, we ended up pushing ourselves more and we got this amazing amazing outcome. We we are seriously considering bringing back Dominic Wilkins brand, which oh, was wow. an exclusive for the, it was an exclusive. I don't know if you guys saw Tornado, but um, it's the first time, it was the first time that the NBA associated their brand with a cigar company. So Ace Prime was sponsoring the uh, All-Star, uh, the NBA All-Star. We had our cigars at the, at the uh, uh, Legends Lounge. There was two activations there as well, two parties. All the players came, uh, all the, the, the old school guys, coaches. So it was an amazing, amazing event. And we decided to create this special edition of the Dominic Wilkins because Dominic received his uh, 75th. He was part of the 75th class of, of the NBA. Uh, so we have the 75 guys represented seven, five years. And Dominic was one of them. So we decided to launched a special edition we did a uh, in collaboration with uh Lexus cigar club and and also with corona cigars you know at that time but you know it's it, it, we we want to make it uh mainstream and, uh, and maybe bring it back because i i'm i'm in love with that that blend i think that blend is is phenomenal it was very good it was a very good blend i i think of the three that was my favorite of the three yeah it was very yeah. good yep it was they, they were all excellent you know, you have um, the portfolio is structured, I think, in a, in a, diff a few different ways. We haven't talked about the Pachardo cigars. Mm -hmm. So you have the Pachardo cigars and you have some of the Luciano branded cigars. Uh, but the Pachardos, are they more Donoradio's babies as far as those go? Or are you involved with the blending of the Pachardo brand branded cigars? So we, we have an agreement, uh, <laughs> Pachardo and I. So uh, 
nothing that I make by myself goes out of the factory until this is my decision, not his decision. Uh, goes before uh, both approve. So both has to like it. It cannot just be me, not not just him. Right. On the Pichardo, on the Pichardo Reserva Familiar, which was the first one that came out, uh, it was it was 100% uh, Pichardo hands. I was busy with kind of putting together the the distribution and the, the brands and stuff. So he actually worked really hard on these and are, are, are his babies, you know. I I just tweaked uh, some of the new sizes uh, because I, I felt like, you know, they had to be adapted to uh, to the sizes. It was a drastic move on sizes. And on the classical line, I just blended the, uh, the Arapiraca, the, the Maduro, the Charter Maduro, uh, the, 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 box, the box press one. Uh, but we work really well together, you know. Pichardo, Pichardo's forte is agriculture. I I think before Pichardo, we had maybe uh, Arsenio Ramos that was very good in fermentation agriculture. Now we have Adele who's really good at, at agriculture too. But I, I could I could put him I could I could maybe name three or four that have the same uh, of knowledge and and just kind of. Uh, brought in vision because he knows everything from, uh, from developing the seed to the final process of fermentation. That's where Pichardo really shines. I think most of uh, the, the the amazing results we get with our cigars, I think, comes from uh, from his uh, his knowledge in how to uh, how to grow and ferment tobacco. I've learned a lot from this man. I'm fascinated by fermentation. I'm involved with fermentation. We have three pre-industrials uh, spread in Nicaragua. And uh, and this morning, that's the reason I woke up five in the morning to go there because that's that pre is my baby. We got a wrappers that came from Ecuador uh, in a container a few days ago, and we are uh, now just kind of build pilones and, and and looking, you know, uh, doing all the classifications by size, by texture, and so I I, I love that. But I think the the Pichardo line it's one of the most unique lines when it comes to after roll fermentation with the the. Uh, his reserve familiar. We actually had an Instagram live with this guys from Texas the other day, and I was there, and they asked me about it. I, I walk into the aging room so they could see what we do. So after the cigars are rolled, uh, and we, we let them just kind of dry for a week, we put them in plastic bags. And this is Arsenio who invented as well. So we put in plastic bags, we close them. We're basically reducing the amount of oxygen that uh, that the leaves are interacting with, uh, the the cigars interacting with. By doing that, you are enabling some yeasts that don't require a lot of oxygen to start develop again, and and that creates a very unique type of, of blending. Uh, it, it comes to a point that after three months, when you try to pull the cigar apart, they are so blended that they become one single mass. So you can even like uh, separate the leaves. And if you have a pichardo yourself, uh, and if you want to sacrifice one of the Reserva Familiar. Open it and you see what I'm talking about. It's almost impossible for you to separate the leaves because it, they become almost like one one matter. Yeah. Our our resident tabacero mm -hmm. and cigar sommelier extraordinaire Brian Lewis has a mm -hmm. question for you. Uh is does is ammonia make you lightheaded or is it the nicotine? Oh, that's a very good question, man. That's a very good question because there's a there's a misconception. I love to bust these myths. That, that they're out there that sometimes and I said this live with Coop as well sometimes not just the cigar media just retailers people in general 
they hear one story from sometimes a sales rep or because they came into a tour in a SLE and, and someone said some bullshit, whatever, and they keep repeating it and repeating it and repeating it until it becomes true, right? Because no one's told them it's wrong. No, right. no one told them. And I think it's a manufacturer's fault. So I put myself as responsible for it as well. So here's the thing. The, the reaction of nicotine in your body, it's, it, it's kind of very easy to identify. The first thing that you have when, when, when you have a, a nicotine bus, let's call it nicotine bus, first is focus, second is relaxation, third you start having chills and headache, but usually it doesn't affect your stomach, doesn't affect, it doesn't affect your, uh, uh, it doesn't make you sick. Yeah, exactly. So the nausea doesn't come from the nicotine. The nausea comes from the ammonia. In fact, and that's 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 the myth buster right here. The more ammonia you have in a tobacco, the less nicotine is delivered to your uh, blood system. So the more the more fermented the tobacco is, the more nicotine is delivered to you. So that that's the balance. And, and another myth is. Oh, this cigar has ammonia. All cigars have ammonia. Ammonia is necessary to keep the mild matter together. If you don't have ammonia, the cigar will just kind of uh, unravel itself. Will be no no consistency at all. But you got to reduce those levels of ammonia. You have to make sure that those levels are 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 uh, very low, so so the cigar delivers flavor and nicotine. How do you, um, is is it just resting them that reduces the level of ammonia? Is it just time? No, it's it's actually. Uh, processing them it's fermenting for the right time and 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 sometimes it's not even the right time i'll tell you this there's a lot of uh corners you can cut and uh, and a lot of people cut corners they speed up the process they heat up the 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 pylones to ferment faster uh you get a bad quality tobacco but you get rid of the ammonia too so another myth then should be busted sometimes you can have a tobacco that's only aged by six months but they speed up so much that process that the ammonia is gone, but so it's the flavors. So, so it's the, the oils. So it's everything else. But, uh, but normally, you know, the, 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 the thin leaves, the, the low primes of, of a tobacco, they ferment faster. Uh, you know, can be between six months, eight months, and the viso, the lijero, will be over a year, year and a half, two years. Um, and, and they, they are ready. So all the, depends on the temperature. The, the, the lower the temperature, the better it is. Uh, so the longest you ferment, of course, especially tripa, uh, especially uh, the fillers, the better. But ammonia on the other side makes, uh, gives a lot of nausea. But the American market are accustomed to identify, they, they consider a strong cigar, a cigar that's harsh, spicy, and the harshness usually comes from uh, from the under-fermented tobacco. And if you guys heard this, many uh, people saying all the time, that's the true uh, that, that's a true statement. So, and when you feel that harshness, you think this is a strong cigar, but actually that cigar is not delivering any nicotine to you, very little. What's making you? It's sick. It, it makes you uh, you feel nausea. Yeah. You uh, you want to vomit because it's so so uh, raw, you know, so harsh. And it's easy to perceive spiciness. It's also easier to build ash. <laughs> the more fermented, the longer the ash is. Just curious, because I've heard this myself. Say, say it wasn't fermented enough, or there's still mm -hmm. like an ammonia residual in the cigar. 
does resting them work out some any extra ammonia in time or once it's done fermenting it's set so the, the ammonia comes from a reaction of the yeast, the biomatter and the oxygen so it's the environment the yeast, and the biomatter the leaf right so this reaction of this uh, three elements is what releases the ammonia contained in a in a in a in a tobacco so when you make the cigar the cigar is already rolled it's inside the cellophane it's very hard to release the ammonia because there's nowhere to release the ammonia needs that's why we flip pylones because if you leave, leave the pylones packed it, it can trap the ammonia yeah the, the ammonia is not released so you release very little ammonia inside the cellophane if you want to maybe you know age a cigar for a long time you got to really lower the temperature and lower the the humidity as well so make you know bring it down to 60 percent 58 corner of the cigar to to last for for a long period of time and remove of the cellophane and leave in your humidor then the ammonia would be released because now there's no cellophane containing uh yeah i i, I always remove the cellophane from cigars in my humidor mm -hmm. when you know, i had personal humidors at home yeah it's a much slower process but yes absolutely uh from a from a biological standpoint the cigar, the cigar keeps fermenting, you know, uh, uh, very slow, but it, it, it does ferment. There's the, many tobaccos, like for Jalapa, for example, that if you uh, if you ferment the sip of Jalapa for too long, you start losing so much of the flavor. So now what's very common, it's people to ferment the sip or just for six months in Jalapa, put them in bales, but don't use that tobacco. Leave them in bales to a more slow fermentation for another six months. So the results are, are very interesting when you do that. Or build the burros that they call, which is pile the tobacco in, in very sh uh, short, uh, very short uh, piles instead of building the whole long fermentation process and use a touch. I'd like to ask you a question because there's always these things I call like you know I don't know equivalent like the urban legends of our industry stuff that you hear and some people swear by it and some people don't. And you seem to be very, very passionate and knowledgeable. So your, your feedback will be interesting. But there's always been this thing that I've heard where most manufacturers don't like to test the blends in either Nicaragua or Honduras. They want to fly the cigars back here to do the taste testing of the blends here because they believe that the transportation process would alter or affect the cigars they're, they're, they're saying was when we smoke them down there and then we import them here we smoke them they don't taste the same is there any legitimacy to that it's it's partially true it's partially true and i explain i think the the biggest difference of a cigar smoked down here a blend that's made down here and you smoke here and you smoke back home comes from where you are located uh, the geolocation where you live if you live within 30 miles from the ocean, no matter where you are, if you guys are in Florida, no matter where you are, you are with average 30 miles on each side from, uh, from the ocean. So you, you are breathing uh, sodium chloride. You're breathing salt. It's in the air. So it, it, your lungs, your, all your internal organs have more salinity than normal than a guy that lives in Texas. Does that make sense? So is you better good for you so that's that's it's actually good but I'll, I'll explain what how that affects how that affects your uh how you perceive flavor remember that when you add salinity have you ever cooked something sweet 
And then when you put just a little bit of salt, that sweetness becomes even more perceived. It becomes more noticed. Uh, if you like dark chocolate with sea salt, or if you I like say, sea salt, I just have sea salt uh, dark chocolate caramel squares are the best. <laughs> yes. Yep. So when you put that salt, it brings more of the sweetness, especially in 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 when you have like a seventy percent up uh, chocolate cacao chocolate. You know. So my point is, if you have that amount of salinity in your mouth, of course that the tobaccos will taste different. Of course it will. Like if you're making a cigar in the Dominican Republic and you're smelling that that uh, that salinity all day long, the cigars you smoke with that amount of salinity there is different than otherwise. So there are ways for you to kind of uh, cope with that situation sometimes. Uh, one of the things you can try is buy some baking soda. And then if you want to actually understand how the cigar tasted back where it was made, Put a little, just just a little bit of uh, baking soda under your tongue. You're going to immediately start, and that will stay uh, in your mouth. Breaking up. I got to ask you this because I'm curious. You you broke up a little bit, so we got to put the baking baking powder under your tongue, and then we lost you. Yeah. So when when you put the baking the, the baking soda in your uh, under your so, tongue, baking soda, it makes you it makes you salivate. Or just put a little bit of salt. Just put a little bit of salt in your mouth, you're going to immediately salivate. Sometimes it can be unpleasant. That's why I say baking soda because it's easier. Uh, but, that, but that will create a reaction in your mouth similar to the reaction you would have if you're living by, uh, by the coast, by the ocean. And you understand a little bit how the blender perceived that flavor. The opposite, it's hard, but it's possible too. Like, you know, for me here, it's basically drinking lots and lots of water. So the more water, the more you wash uh, your mouth, the more you wash your mouth, uh, the more you uh, you you get that salinity out of your out of your system, and so Does you can. Work? Learn... Does that work as well if you're washing your mouth with bourbon? Um, Not the same. Anything, so, to be fair, anything you drink, you know, will will wash out whatever was previously in your mouth. But water is, is more like a neutral. Uh, element that will just kind of wash everything out is the universal solvent right so water and sparkling water helps a lot too because it removes any protein uh that is present uh in your in your mouth allison i don't know who you're talking to but i don't know anyone who thinks there's a maduro seed leaf no oh, sorry can you please debunk the idea of there's a maduro seed i don't know leaf? who you're hanging around with but i don't think anybody i i hang around with but i i have a question I, I never heard that before. Yeah. There's an age-old debate, and I feel like you're the perfect guy to put it to rest. Mm -hmm. Is plume real, or is it all mold? So, the, I think the way they talk about it is very binary. Like, it's either uh, a it's all it's all it's all it's all yeast. It's all fungus. No matter what you want to mold, is fungus. Yeast is fungus. Uh, uh, Blue mold, the green mold, the white mold, this is all fungus. Is there good fungus? Of course there is. Of course there is plum. And I'll explain why every single biomatter that exists in this planet has a balance between yeast and bacteria. Everything. Your skin, your stomach, your organs, your mouth. Have you ever treated a uh, step throat with antibiotics? And then you start having sometimes uh, skin rash or stomach hurts. Uh, it's because you're killing the good bacteria that keep that balance. Now the yeast are taking over. 
there's always a conflict between yeast and bacteria in, in the plants, uh, in the animals, in the skin, in everything that uh, that's present in this plant everywhere. everywhere. So the tobacco, the wine, fermented, uh, fermented products, you want the yeast to take over and kill the bacteria, right? That, that's why wine kills 60, 70% of all bacteria. Vinegar kills almost 100% of bacteria because the yeast took over, produced a very anti-bactericide, a bactericide product, and that is used as a, uh, as a uh, uh, something that can kill bacteria, and the opposite is true too. Sometimes you do it; you're treating like yeast infections. You're taking medicines for yeast, and then the bacteria take over. Now you start having a lot of strep throat, skin infections of bacteria. Right? Why it's important to understand this? It's because in the leaf, there's also that fight, and we want the yeasts to take over. That's why tobacco is a very clean product because it's a natural bactericide. If you remove the oils of, and before this was used by the indigenous people, they would, and the Native Americans, they would just grab the tobacco and use that tobacco to heal uh, wounds. And I, it was, I have an interesting story. I was one of the farms, my youngest daughter came and she scratched her leg and cut it really deep. And we were like, I don't know, hundred kilometers, uh, you know, 50 miles from the hospital. So we got the tobacco leaves there in the hanging barn that would still have some of the some of the oils. We squeezed, we put in her in her leg. When she got back to the hospital, the guys asked, "How come, you know, I can't see any inflammation? It's cut. It still needs to be. She will need stitches, but there's no inflammation." I said, "We use the tobacco leaves. So because tobacco is bactericide, once the fermentation starts, you have a, a bactericide. So what happened with an old cigar?" The old cigar, it's losing more and more of those yeasts, but the yeasts that are inside start going to the outside. And there is a very specific yeast, which is the ones that do doesn't require much oxygen and water, which is that white one, creates that white powder. That helps to keep the, 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 the cigar moisture and it's not harm to us. The problem is, the human eyes sometimes cannot identify a good mode from a bad one. That's when it becomes dangerous. A lot of people will get those cigars and they think it's they're all good. They'll put it in their mouth and they'll have infections. They'll have consequences of, of actually interacting with that. That's the only concern I have. But yes, if you're able to really identify what a plum is, a plum is a mode, period. But it's a good mode. It's a good mold, which is actually doesn't harm us at all and keeps the cigar moisture is a way to protect the, the wrap of the, the cigar. So, so both assumptions are true. You understand? So there's no this or that. That's why I said that there's this binary discussion of if it's a, if it's a mold or, or it's a plant. The plant is a mold. So it's a type of mold that actually helps preserve the, the, uh, the wrapper and, and keeps the cigar more uh, moisture as well and doesn't harm human beings. But it's very, very hard to identify all types of mold that's the cigar. Usually I don't recommend because you don't know what you're putting in your mouth. Why, why play Russian roulette? Yeah. Super, yeah, exactly. super, super interesting stuff today. I mean, really super mm. interesting stuff. Um, great second hour. Um, it's that time of the show where we're going to see 
there's anything else worth talking about in the cigar industry this week, it's time to see what is the scoop with Coop. Hey, yo, what's my theme music? The Scoop with Coop. Breaking industry news. Hear it first on KMA Talk Radio and cigar-coop.com. What is the scoop this week, my friend? So, three stories this week. Uh, we're still kind of coming out of PCA, but uh, I got three stories. The first one is um, what I term the STG Cigar of the Week, because every week they've been announcing a cigar this year. Um, this comes uh, from the Ford's end of their uh, portfolio out of Magoria Cubana. And if you remember a, a couple months ago, we were talking about a punch cigar called the People's Champ, which was a kind of a crowdsourced uh, input into the blend, the packaging, etc. They're kind of doing the same thing now with La Gloria Cubana. It's called the La Gloria Cubana Society. It's named after a social group of, of La Gloria Cubana. I've actually heard of this social group. It's been around for a while. Um, and they kind of did the same thing as they did with the punches. They got the input on there um, um, in terms of blend, packaging, et cetera. And, and the cigar itself is a uh, six and a quarter by 54 box press Toro all Honduran tobacco. Um, and it's going to be a 2,500 box run produced at the El Credito Cigar Factory, which is actually a, a Galera inside of um, uh, the General Cigar Factory. And folks should start to see that store, uh, excuse me, that cigar hit the stores around the august time frame pricing is pretty reasonable 8.99 all right um second story Sorry, is... I was on mute, Coop. that's okay you hang in there okay what else you got going on the second story comes out of the p this is a story i'm pulling out of the pca trade show um it's something i covered this week and a lot of people did cover this at the trade show um because it was it, there's an interesting story behind this and it's coming from christoph um so Christoph actually, they, they had a, more new products than they normally do. They actually had three new products. But this one was kind of one they surprised everyone at the trade show. It's called the Christoph Guardrail. And there's a couple of interesting points, I think, with this cigar that are very interesting. First is the Guardrail gets its name because of Glenn Case, um, I want to say about two and a half years ago. And, and no one really knew this. Maybe a few people did. Uh, he was in a really bad motorcycle accident where he hit a guardrail. He said at 65 miles an hour, I guess this accident happened in Oklahoma. He was hospitalized. He went through a, a long rehab process and they kept this really quiet. So he kind of came up with this cigar that, um, you know, kind of, I guess, pays homage to it. You know, uh, the packaging has like a couple of guardian angels on it because he was saying, you know, guardian angel was looking out for him. The blend is kind of, if you're a cigar geek, it's 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 an interesting blend. Um, and the highlight of it is they're using African tobacco in the filler, which is not a common thing. And in particular, the African tobacco is coming from Zimbabwe, from an area called the Burma Valley. So I have not I have not seen a cigar use African tobacco. If, if there is, I'm not aware of many. Um, and certainly Zimbabwe is not a African tobacco I've, I've seen used before. So um, this cigar is supposed to hit the stores in October. I'm just kind of interested in this cigar overall, um, what, what it's going to be like. Like I said, interesting story. I think how they kept it. I don't know how many people knew that Glenn was in an accident. I certainly didn't. I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's and they kept it very quiet. Yeah. Went to the bathroom, didn't you? Me? Yeah. Oh, I couldn't leave him up all that time. <laughs> That's right, that's what I'm saying. You went to the bathroom. I did not. 
Really? You just left him on the screen all that time? I was scooping. He was scooping. <laughs> Listen, I got a question for you about Christoph. I know Glenn. Um, we've dealt with the brand. Um, I travel the country. I mean, is that brand just mostly vibrant in the Midwest where he's at? Or, I mean, I, I just, you don't see a lot of people talking about that brand. I don't, when I go to shops, I don't see it on the shelves when I travel. Um, I mean, but, you know, he's making brands. He comes to the show. He's, he's very active. You know, how are you experiencing it? Do you see it when you go places around the country? The, the one place I see it is Midwest, definitely Northeast. He's got a presence in the New England area, I'd say, is probably where I see it's the strongest. Uh, Jared Trudeau, who is his VP, comes from New England. Glenn comes from the Midwest. Those are the two areas I tend to see that cigar do very well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it. Uh, I'm gonna be honest. It struggled in the Carolinas. That brand, uh, and and the cigars are very good cigars. I mean, so hey, look, let's face it. Today, ninety percent of the people are really making good cigars. Whether it's your flavor preference is one thing, but you know, it's not like back in '97 where just a lot of ship brands. You know, after the boom, a lot of ship brands were hitting the shelves because people, anybody who had any kind of tobacco, just started rolling them and throwing them out there. Um, which is another thing. I don't know if I've been in a cave. Or what's going on? But was there just an exorbitant amount of new companies or new brands this year? Or these guys, I mean, maybe in the last year or two, I missed it. But, like, I am in utter shock at how many brands I saw exhibiting at the PCA that I'd never heard of. Well, yeah. I mean, Luciano just said it. When he kind of came to the trade show his first year, he was the only new brand that particular year. Um, and there were a lot of new brands this year that came. Uh, into a lot, the trade right? Show. Yeah, and a lot of them launching for the first time. Uh, for sure, and a lot of them had some higher price points, which was which was a whole other story too. That's one thing my operation guy mentioned. He was shocked at how many ultra premium lines were being launched. There, there was a lot. I mean, it was definitely like I oh, there were just cigars I saw in the twenty dollar range uh, with a couple companies. So, I have yeah. a question. So what what is an ultra premium? Eighteen twenty dollars or more. Oh, so the price defines if it's premium or not. I mean, what else are you gonna, you know, fact? What, what, what other stipulation? We really don't know what they're doing and what the tobaccos are. No, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you this. I'm not gonna mention the company's name, but there is a there is a company who buys a hundred percent of their fillers from us, and and they had cigars at the trade show, uh, from twenty dollars to crazy prices, like you know, fifty, seventy. I mean, that's what I'm saying. That's I mean. That seems to be a, a crazy theme in, in probably yeah. one of the worst economies we've had in a while. So it, it was kind of an odd thing to see a lot of it at the trade show this year. Yeah. It was Go ahead. No, yeah, I was green. I think there's, there's, there's two, two main issues that will happen with some of these companies. And I encourage uh, anyone who wants to create a brand, who wants to create a cigar company to do it. But I think some of these guys will suffer a lot uh, with a couple of things that are happening in the, in the tobacco world. The first one is the logistics and the cost of bringing tobaccos from, uh, from Asia, you know, specifically uh, Indonesia tobacco. I think that's a lot of, uh, that there's a lot of issues that happen in Ecuador that, that uh, you guys are not talking about, but it's, it's happening and we got we got major companies that lost 30% of their crops 
this year because of uh, because of the uh, civil unrest in Ecuador, wow. uh, where uh, uh, narco uh, narco people got together with uh, with some other people. The government didn't negotiate with. I don't know exactly what happened. What I know is that there are many farms that had uh, actually. Uh, uh, situations where uh, they could not even access the farm because the farm was seized by a drug lord or by uh, locals. And so that's going to increase a lot the price of wrapper. You know that really define the cost of a cigar at the end of the day is the wrapper. The wrapper is the most expensive part of a cigar. So I think there will be a, a, another increase in, in cost of, of wrappers. Uh, especially by the end of this year, beginning of next year, when, when they start bringing that tobacco over. Um, and guys who are not vertical, who don't, who don't, don't have the capacity to store uh, tobacco, uh, will we'll, uh, get somehow hurt in the house. Yeah, they'll suffer. Yeah. Right. It, it, yeah, Luciano, you have, like, you have access because you have farms in Ecuador. I mean, that's a big strategic advantage you guys have. Yeah. A lot of people grow, don't have that advantage. Yeah, we grow in Ecuador, uh, and we luckily are we are positioned in an area that we got some protection from some other big guys there around us, so they didn't get into the into uh, our operation there. But there's there's a lot of issues going on. You know, Ecuador right now it's uh, it's not safe. It's much hot, worse yeah. than anywhere else. Yeah, it's a definite hot zone. Yeah. What else you got going mm -hmm. on? Uh, got one more story. We have time, or oh, for you, we make time, bro. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> and we're gonna use a visual prop for this one. Um, Zycar uh, released a new cutter at the trade show this year. Um, it's part of their 25th anniversary. Um, it's called the Zycar Revolution. Um, and uh, Alex has got a picture of it on there. So yeah, normally, it. normally with a cutter, uh, and I'll try to see if I can go with my hand here yeah you know yeah. you have a cutter and you you know you use two handles and you clip the cigar yeah alex uh, put that back on there the zyka revolution and i and i actually tried this at the trade show um it uses a rotary motion where you actually kind of um rotate like an outer dial and it actually will cut the cigar now it took a couple of it took a couple of times to get the hang of it but it's it was actually something i got the hang of very quickly and um it was almost like like once you do it it's like riding a bike so um, it, I don't even understand how you are you supposed to roll the wheel with your thumb? Pretty much, you roll the wheel with your thumb. So yeah. what you you put it like in your is that hole for a finger? Uh, the hole in the middle is uh, or at the no, bottom. The hole at the bottom is that for a finger or that's just? The I think it's just there because I didn't really use that okay. thing at all uh, so when I did it. So basically, how do you yeah, open up the blade? It, the, the rotating, it's rotated. All right, so you just keep rotating with your thumb. The right, it rotates up, rotates back, yeah. And there's there's springs in it, so kind of it gives an assisting motion when cutting it. And it's, I think it's kind of interesting because if someone's got, like, an arthritic condition, it's actually an easier way to cut the cigar. Like I said, I, I was surprised how uh, once I got the hang of it, like I said, it takes a few tries, it, it was kind of easy to do. Um, so I that's shipping it, now. Yeah, that's I actually shipping it, now. I find it mind-boggling. It's just me. I might piss some people off. I mean, look, I've been a biter. I bite my cigar. I bite. I don't want to carry right. a piece of equipment or whatever. But I find it amazing the effort that's put into trying to find the better cut or the right. better way to cut a cigar. <laughs> I mean, look, it's just toys for boys, man. You know, it's, it's toys yeah. for boys. The wheel. It's what's new. It's what's new, Abe. Yeah, it's toys for boys. It's what's new. I get it. Yep. Um, 
It's with but uh yeah that that those cutters got a price for one fifty nine. Put your ring finger too. in that hole. My pinky isn't fitting in that hole. Yeah, you know, I'm trying to remember what I did with that hole, if anything. You know, finger in that hole. I, I find I find uh, I find extremely complicated to use this slider, to be quite honest. And I, I I love what this guy's put out. I just feel like sometimes uh, that they're just kind of trying to reinvent uh, the fork. If people tried like for I don't know over thousands of years to reinvent the fork. Uh, all you need is two very sharp blades, and you can like make a, a cutter really nice, small. Add jewelry to it. You can do whatever you want to do with the fork, but like at the end of the day, it's a fork. You know, it's a fork. Toys for boys. That's what I call it. Yeah, I do love my scissor. I love my scissor. It, it work, I mean, it works. I, I think it's got to work whatever you're comfortable with. You know, I I am a guy. I just don't get a V cut. To me, a V cut, I don't I'm see. Not I'm not a V cut guy. I've never seen the appeal of it, but people love it for some reason. Is, is it me? Am I missing something in the comments? Or is Ronnie Haysha having a conversation with himself? Uh, he, no, he normally does. He's just like having a conversation. <laughs> I don't know. I think Alan's having one too. Poker rooms? I don't know how we got onto that. Catch out more up to date news, rumor free, teaser free, teaser free at cigarhypencoop.com. All right. It's time. It's been a while. And this, this is a very special season because. It's including everybody. We're all in on this season five of Tale of the Tape, the greatest villain, movie villains of all time. Let's run it. I just got to tell you something. See, Alex works for our graphic department. That was great. It just, it just seems to me like he always finds himself the picture where he looks really cool and debonair, and then he just finds the goofiest pictures for the rest of us. That was Carlos. <laughs> See, I, look like I'm, I'm, I look like I'm on Sesame Street in that picture. <laughs> picture right? All right. So listen, here we are, Tale of Tape Season 5. Being the uh, new guys to the table, Abe, I'm going to let you go first. Top okay, movies so all of all time. Number 10. So first, let me begin this by saying I had some self-rules I made for this contest. So, you know, first, it couldn't be any cartoon, uh, CGI, villain. Um, though Freddy Krueger was, was an honorable nominee, there was no horror. I was looking for real pure villains here. And it had to be a narrative movie, right? It couldn't be a true story about a really evil dude, right? So that's, that's kind of what encompassed mine. Um, my pick for number 10... Darth Vader. Now, I think I'm going to get a little flat because it might be low on somebody's list. But listen, if you're talking about iconic cultural villains, he has to be in the top three because Darth Vader is, the, you know, the epitome of what being a villain is. But I'm, as you'll see through my picks, a lot of them have more complexity and really were defined by some incredible acting. So he's definitely top 10 worthy for me, but he made it at the bottom of my list. I don't think that's a bad pick. Yeah, not a bad pick. Some people not say bad pick at all. No. Well, I I guess I will narrate narrate Paul's pick. So Paul's number ten pick of the top villains of all time is uh, Hades from the animated Disney movie. <laughs> How do we guess? 
<laughs> and um, you know, no, no surprise there from Paul. Does he have a Disney quota? Is there a quota on the list with Disney I mean, characters? I'm, I'm sure there is in in, in Paul's mind. <laughs> oh my! So uh, my pick number ten is uh, probably a little bit of a sleeper, but I I think we can all probably agree that. Uh, Annie Wilkes from Misery is is probably the craziest bitch of all time in movie history. Um, just a really great role by uh, Kathy Bates in Misery. What do you got, Coop? Um, so, I, by the way, I also went with no cartoon characters either in, um, or, or CGI. So I, I kind of held that role. I talked to Paul this week and I said, look, are we going with a franchise character or are we going with an individual movie? And I think Paul's, I'm sorry, Alex, I mean, you're, yeah. you were more on the lines for a movie. So I picked Ivan Drago from Rocky Four, And, you know, if, if I was counting the Creed movie, I probably wouldn't have had it on the list. But Ivan Drago was hated. You know, he was, a, he was the, probably the best Rocky villain out there. And that he was just like pure. At the right time, too. At the right time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that's what made it. But I don't know if he was the best. I got to go with Clubber Lang, man. Uh, Clever Lang was more comic. I mean, you had Thunderlips. Drago was a victim. But he was the you right could make guy. That you could, right but a lot of villains are victims, aren't they, right? I would say that. Wouldn't you say that a lot of villains are victims? Okay, a lot of villains were victims, and their victim is made. The victim yeah. Yeah, made a yeah, villain. Uh, he was a victim, man. He, I mean, he the guy had no remorse that he killed Apollo Creed. Um, yeah, but I, I agree – I agree. I mean, I think Clubber, there was, you know, there was a little bit, maybe there was some people who just kind of sick of the, when Rocky kind of cleaned himself up and the Clubber character came along. So, but I think at the time, like, like Alex said, this was, uh, the Cold War was uh, was starting to, you know, it was probably in the peak in the 80s when this movie came out. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, you know, so I, I kind of went with that one as my number 10. Good pick. Here's the list. What, what I'm, yeah, one of my least favorite, believe it or not, Rocky movies. It it was one of my least favorite too. Um, if you see the Creed two movie and what they do with the Drago character in that movie, they 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 do a really good job. And and they just announced there's going to be a Drago movie coming out now. Oh wow! So they're going to try to French, and I think you know because they did a lot with the Drago character in Creed two. They they made him a much more complex character in, in that second movie. All right. Well, yeah. let's see. Abe won a best side. Yeah, everybody's talking about Paul's picks. Too bad Paul wasn't here. Yeah. Well, there you have it. There's episode one of season five of Tale of Tape. And as every closing week, we like to put our guests through a little bit of a grinder in a segment sponsored by Gurkha Cigars. And it's called mm -hmm. Would You Rather? I have three questions for you, Luciano. Who's going to give you two <laughs> options? You have to tell us which one you would rather do. Okay. Once again, brought to you by the fine folks over at Kirkus Cigars. You know, it's funny because when I'm coming up with some of these questions, you have to be conscious of who you're asking because, like, sometimes they're bald. Like, this is one you couldn't ask Alex at all because poor guy screwed either way. But, Luciano, would you rather be half your height or double your weight? 
kept my height. I don't think half your height is an option for you, Alex. I think I think you got to go double your weight. I don't know. Maybe I can make a career in the <laughs> mid-wrestling ring. you said half your height? Half my height, yeah. Yeah, who wants to carry around double the weight? How, yeah. how tall? Well, it depends how tall you are. How tall are you? As, as, long, as long as we're talking about as, as, as long as we talk about horizontally, yeah. Um, yeah. I would say, uh, uh, no, I am six, uh, you know, six right there. Uh, so that's three feet tall. It's roughly yeah. three feet tall, bro. All six right. Feet tall. Yep. Question number two. Would you rather know the date of your death or the cause of your death? Uh, that's a good one. I would say probably the date of my death. That's a tough one. I'm not, yeah, I'm not afraid of them, so. I think living with knowing the date of your death, maybe good, maybe bad, I guess. Well, I would just love to kind of prepare. <laughs> and then our final question for the week, would you rather drink all the half-empty drinks or smoke all the cigar butts the day after a PCA party? Well, <laughs> My my answer my answer will be based on what we my answer will be based on what we discussed before. Tobacco is a clean product. If you even put a drop of uh, of uh, what's the name of the, the bacteria that kind of gives you botulism, uh, yeah, whatever, uh, whatever bacteria. So the there is a chance that the tobacco will kill those bacteria. So I'll go for the cigar butts. There you have it. Yeah. John, thank you for joining us for our segment sponsored by Kirkus Guys. Would you rather? Excellent show, man. I think I might learn more on this show than any other. We need to get Steve Saka and uh, Luciana on the show and just let them butt heads and talk. Uh, thank we, you. We have, we have been we have been in shows together twice already for the past two months. So yes. it's been interesting. Yeah. Yes. Thank <laughs> we you went for joining to us. Thank you for joining us on the Saturday morning. I know you're down yeah. in, in Nicaragua. Coop, as always, thank you for singing in for the man. Always thank making you. the show just a little bit better than when Paul. Thank you. There. Alex, well done today. We hope everybody had fun. We hope we entertained you, made you laugh. And I definitely think this Saturday you learned a couple of new things. Uh, next week, very interesting guest. We have Matt Booth from uh, the new Room 101 Cigars. So it will be very interesting. Matt Booth, always for a lively show. Don't have a great weekend, everybody. Until next week, keep it lit.